0: G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Fry and I am back in a uh, less than optimistic mood, let's just say that, uh, doing the round three wrap up for AFL Fantasy. Uh, for those tuning into the podcast, you won't be able to see, but uh, I'm wearing my Carolina Panthers jersey because I'm about ready to give up on the fantasy season. I tell you what, I'm three weeks in and I am hating it. Nah, Not really, but it is tough when your team doesn't put it all together, but I only uh, scored a 2010 on the weekend, and I continue to slide in rankings. Guys I traded out outscored the blokes I brought in, so times are tough. I know I'm only three weeks into a 23-week marathon, but it's getting to the point where it's almost uh, irreparable. That's not a word, I'm sure, but I'm uh, using it because I don't care, and I'm in an average mood at best. Um, Apologies about last week. I really wanted to try and get the video and podcast done, but uh, couldn't find the time to try and re-record after I did it three times and uh, was met with issues. I'm doing this on a Monday night, so hopefully you're watching or listening to this on a Tuesday. That is uh, my plan. Hopefully it's Tuesday morning, might be a little bit later, but uh, I'm going to wrap up everything round three, talk a little bit about my team, because while i'm sure you're here and very interested in the large fries and coke it's not the only reason that you're tuning into this video or podcast so without further ado let me dive into today's episode rightio let's start with the rabble known as the large fries and coke 2010 is what i managed to score on the weekend which was a little bit of a disappointment considering the heights that I'd seen other coaches reach and the fact that my uh, two scores earlier in the season surpassed that, but yeah, I've got a lot of work to do, that's all I'll say. Let me just take a quick uh, trip down memory lane. I originally was going to start the season with Lockie Whitfield and Brad Crouch, and I should have followed through with those two things, however... I got in my own head this mention of Lockheed Whitfield having forward status kind of messed with me and caused me to bring in Witherden, and by doing that I saved a bit of money, so I decided to upgrade Brad Crouch to Taranto. And while Taranto's been good, Witherden isn't in my side anymore, and if I had had Whitfield and Crouch, I'm sure I would be much higher in the rankings and in a much better mood, but... It is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it now. So let me start with my team for round three in the back line. Um, I, like I said, I traded out with it in, to Brody Smith. Uh, just quickly, I actually traded out Heaney to Tim Kelly as well. And uh, those two trades netted me a bit of money, but technically I was 60 points worse off. So I don't expect Isaac Heaney to go kicking five goals and dropping 120s. I think this is his first 120 in over a year, so... Whatever, it is what it is. Like I said, my back line. Jake Lloyd, fantastic. The only player to score 120 in every game so far this season. Travis spoke a very, very close shade behind. Uh, He was great. Smith was fine on debut. I really wanted a bit more. But again, those type of mid-priced, I guess you could say, defenders in Williams and Smith. Anything around the 80 mark, I'm not going to be unhappy with. And they both kind of got to an average of 80. The rookies let us down, and they let everyone down, really, with the exception of the two big dogs in the midfield. So I had Dersma Clark and Scrimshaw on my field for scores between the 50 and 60 mark, which, I mean, it's almost passable. But 60 is usually what we take as a pass mark from rookies. And after what dersma has been doing lately, we did not expect a 50. So hopefully he can bounce back next week. I think he will bounce back next week. But... Yeah, not a great start in defence. Sam Collins is still making me some money, and I hopefully can chop him out soon to pocket myself about a hundred grand from a basement rook when someone else gets named. To the midfield we go, and I'll be pretty honest, it was Business as usual for most of my midfield, hundreds across the board, Constable threw up an 80, but there are two very glaring scores there for two very different reasons. Uh, Tommy Rockliffe and Bailey Scott only managed 40s. So I'll talk a little bit more about Rocky, who got knocked out against the Lions later on, but similar with he and Bailey Scott, they're both almost on the chopping block this week. Rocky's health, we got to monitor, but yeah, Bailey Scott, we gave you a hall pass after nearly crapping yourself on Marvel Stadium against the Lions in round two. But what was your excuse this week, mate? We saw a fantastic game against Frio. I watched the game and was just in awe of how you were racking up the footy, but not getting the job done. And honestly, might be uh, omitted by the ruse this week. And things aren't better on the bench. Uh, Two very popular picks in Atkins and Gibbons. Didn't even combine for 50. So all three of them will come into the firing line for myself. And I'm sure I'm not the only coach that's considering axing one of them. To the rucks, I didn't actually have uh, Jared Witz as my skipper. I think I took this screenshot that you're seeing on YouTube after I swapped him out for Matty Flynn. But Witz is doing exactly what I wanted him to do as my second ruckman. The rucks is something that I'm actually reasonably happy with at the moment. I know in the back of my mind I'm going to need to get Max gone in a week or two. That's probably when he's going to be right... Uh, ripe for the picking but Wits is putting up 93 almost every week so if I can't get immediately to Gorn because of forced trades in the next few weeks then I know Gorn will he has to be in my team by the end of the year and until then Wits keeps getting it done and when he's not failing I can't be too unhappy. Grundy as well did his job he's someone that I'm seriously considering as my captain next week uh, coming up against the Bulldogs and speaking no English so 120 he scored this week and I'm expecting something similar next round. In my forward line, I took Paddy Dangerfield's 132 as my vice-captain loophole score. I'm sure almost half the competition would have done that as well. Tim Kelly on debut, 93, would have liked a little bit more, but that's just me being greedy. He didn't spend the last 5 to 10 minutes of the game on the deck, so I'm sure if he had it, he would have tongued up, and he's uh, definitely a keeper moving forward. One bloke that is not a keeper and I'm really stuck at a crossroads as to what to do is Josh Dunkley. I've seen a lot of flashes this season of fantastic scoring potential and I know that if one of those Bulldogs midfielders goes down, Dunkley's going to go back to 110, 115. He's going to be in the midfield constantly but he's got an okay role in saying that actually. He's playing a lot near the footy. He's played in the centre bounces but he's just failing to fire really to start the year and I kind of wonder if I'm just pushing crap uphill and uh, taking a chance on him and nothing's going to come to fruition, but with the exception of Trav Boak and maybe Jack Billings, there aren't a lot of other forwards out there that I like the looks of at the moment. Devin Smith is someone who's still kind of coming down in price with a high break even, but yeah, Dunkley might survive. Might is uh, in italics, that's for sure, but yeah, 85, look, it's not the worst score, but we need a little bit more, mate. Hasn't top 90 yet this year, so need that to change. James Warple is someone else who kind of failed to fire. Had a lot of the footy, but just couldn't mark or tackle against North Melbourne, which is disappointing. And a lot of coaches would have traded Isaac Heaney out for Warple, which stings. But he'll be better. He's We've seen what he can do early in the season. I expect another 80-odd. We expect him to average around the 80s. So he's going to dish up these performances every now and then to just balance his average out. Will Setterfield is almost on the chopping block for me. He... Still has probably a couple of weeks of growth in him, and I think if Gibbons and Atkins can hold their side, they'll probably get forward status, which might see me do a little bit of shuffling and put Setterfield into my midfield bench, but yeah, 50s aren't going to cut it. Willem Drew, another bloke who didn't even get to 50, but he'll be better next week, I think. I think. I hope. Manny Parker, similar deal, but Grian Myers as well, we saw score well against Adelaide, so... Mixed bag in my forward line. Dangerfield came to the party and Kelly was good on debut, but a lot of question marks in the large fries and coke, that's for sure. Righto, time to get positive for a change. Let's talk about my favourite five this week. And you can't really go anywhere else other than Lockie Whitfield to start the favourite five. Plus five he gets this week for me. 164, 12 marks, 43 touches from memory, a career high. He did it all against Richmond. I'm a little bit concerned as to why no one is running with Whitfield, which also makes me think that if a smart team sends someone to him, we could see an 80 or a 70 incoming. But, he's look, he looks in career-best form. He's at very, very worst a top-two defender. I think he's, he's clearly above Jake Lloyd right now, but it's 1A and 1B in my eyes. And, yeah, Whitfield, for those that captained him on the weekend, were handsomely rewarded. And uh, even if you didn't captain him, having him in your side is better than not having him at all. As a Frio Dockers fan, the next bloke... of stings me to see him doing so well, but we thought we were going to get safe hundreds from Lockie Neal, and instead, he's marching on towards a 110-115 average. Had 135 on the weekend, his second straight big score, and yeah, it hurts to not see him uh, doing his best for the Frio side that I uh, unfortunately barrack for, but tell you what, as a Brisbane Lion, Lockie Neal is taking his game to an elite level, and I think... Think we could see him put up 110 pretty regularly and become a top eight midfielder by the end of the season. Plus three goes out to Paddy Dangerfield. It's pretty hard to pass up 246 guaranteed points as your skipper. And thought about getting fancy by taking a chance on Brayshaw or Paddy Cripps or Grundy, but. Dangerfield's 130 against Adelaide was pretty impressive. Got good numbers uh, in Geelong where he plays the Giants from memory next week, so he'll definitely be someone that comes back into captain calculation. Plus two, he's not in my side, I've already whinged about it, but I tell you what, Brad Crouch is far exceeding expectations to start the year. 128 he had against Geelong, had over 30 touches. He looks like a different type of player at the moment, so... For the 70% of the competition, I know it's not that high, but it feels like it's that high when you don't have him. The 70% of the competition that do own Brad Crouch, kudos, enjoy his high scores, and he's starting to shape up as a keeper, not just a stepping stone to another premium. Plus one, could have gone a lot of different ways, could have given it to someone like Jack McRae, Brayshaw, maybe even Isaac Heaney, but Connor Rosie's performance against Brisbane was something pretty special. Didn't have a high scoring pedigree as a junior, which is why in a lot of my cash cow articles for the DT Talk Boys, I've kind of pumped the brakes and just said don't invest too much in Rosie, but he's gone 69-75 and 121 to start the season from memory. Had five goals against Brisbane, but even if you take that away, that's still a 90-point game. So kudos to Connor Rosie. He's definitely getting it done early and proving me wrong. Fry's frustrating five. Uh, Luckily, not many people took a chance on Cade Simpson to start the season, and if you did... I'm sorry to inform you, he is not the same fantasy player we once knew. He didn't even crack 50 on the weekend. He's starting to look like a 310-game veteran, and Nick Newman's eating into his production a little bit. Carlton's playing a slightly different brand, so he's not getting as many cheap plus sixes. So it's a shame because Kate Simpson has been a fantasy star for the past decade. So to see his decline hurts, and if you are an owner, I would be jumping ship ASAP. For my negative four, I need to uh, give a quick backstory. I was whinging on Twitter about my team and my failed uh, investments to start the season, how I had withered him and then traded him out, but one bloke pointed out that he owns Seb Ross, and I'll be honest, I've heard nothing about Seb Ross to start the season, which is very alarming. To start the year, I was very, very close to pulling the trigger on him because, funnily enough, I think I've said this before, back... At the end of the 2018 season, I wrote about four or five notes and I stumbled across them before the first lockout and said one of them, the top one, was Seb Ross is a must-have for 2019 and thank God I didn't listen to my own advice on that one. He's averaging 77 to start the year, only managed a 60 or 64 technically against Frio so he hasn't bled too much cash so you can potentially chop him around for someone and maybe make a bill of value, play the break-even game but... Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Ross. It's a fantastic question. Coaches that took a punt on Jack Crisp were severely disappointed that he scored about 100 points less in round three than he did in round two. And uh, he gets my negative three this week. 49 he managed against the West Coast, who are actually, I don't know the numbers uh, officially, but off the top of my head, I think they're pretty decent at containing fantasy players. So that's something just to keep in the back of your mind moving forward. But Crisp will be better for the run and be bouncing back, but... Yeah, a sub-50 definitely warrants a neg-3 this week, mate. Now, I know I'm not the only one who is excited at the idea of putting Gary Ablett into your fantasy forward line, but after a couple of lacklustre performances, I don't think it's going to be an option, even if Round 6 rolls around and he gets forward status. Not the way he's playing right now, anyway. Didn't crack 70 against the Crows on the weekend. He's doing his role for the Geelong team and actually leading to them winning games, but as a fantasy prospect... Can't really see the little master turning it around this year. Finally, the neg one goes out to Justin Westhoff, who, from memory, was my first deck of DT card I wrote this pre-season, and I was hyped on the potential of Westhoff continuing his form from last year, but the addition of Lysette and Ryder being healthy just means that he's not around the ball as much, and as a result, his scores are suffering. He took five goals to score his huge score in round one and only managed a 55 on the weekend. So if you are an owner, I would definitely look to ship him out and potentially bring someone else in because this off is not the same as last year's one. Time to talk trades. And if you happen to have robbed a bank lately, have a little bit of money in your back pocket, I suggest investing all of it into bringing in Lockie Witt. Now, I know I kind of just, not crapped on him, but just uh, threw out the warning of a potential regression, but... He's not going to score 150 every week. It'd be foolish to consider that, but he is likely to average 15, 110 and be in the mix to be the top defender. If not, be the front runner. Or he is the front runner at the moment to be the top defender. So he's not going to get any cheaper. He's just a tick under 800 grand. So if you can get to him this week, I suggest doing so. Another bloke who, at the other end of the ground, is likely to contend for a top forward status. Probably won't get there, but. His 118 on the weekend speaks for itself, and that is Travis Boke. We were worried about the Ollie Wines impact of him returning into the midfield, but didn't stop Bokey scoring well again for the third consecutive week. Now, he also comes at a pretty penny, around 750 grand, and it is worth noting that he jumped his score up a little bit when Tom Rockliffe went off, off with that concussion, and as a result, he got to 118. But he was still on track to get about 100, so I would look hard at getting Trav Boke and he's someone I'm considering in for potentially Josh Dunkley and if you've got an underperforming premium in that line, maybe like a Sammy Managola, then I think getting Boke in is a very smart move. Now that Brad Crouch is about 630 grand, it might be, unless Rocky is not named and you can do a bit of a swap there, it might be too much to try and reach to get Crouch, but someone who still has a lot of value left in them is Tom Libertore. He's already gone up about 120 grand in price Priced a tick over 500, break even of 14. I think this might be the last, if not the second last week, that you can look at getting him in. He's still, like I said, he's pricing in the 500 grand. That's something you've seriously got to consider. A lot of people already own him, and if you do, then don't stress. He's going to get you, a, well, I don't want to say a safe, but he's going to get you 80 plus each week. And we saw 119 on the weekend. So he's definitely someone on my radar this week. I don't think I'll be able to pull it off, but if you can. Snagging Liba is a smart play. On the rookie front, there's a few guys that uh, tickle my fancy. None better than Sydney Stack from Richmond at the moment. With their injury list piling up, I think it's wise to invest in Stack, who will probably see a little bit of an investment in his uh, jobs or an in- increase—not investment, sorry—in his job security. Now that Cochin, potentially Martin with suspension, a few other guys are bowing out to injury. We're likely to see Stack play a, a big portion of games, and he looked fantastic on the weekend against the Giants. Had 89, kicked a couple of snags, was buzzing around everywhere, so he's a great downgrade target if one of those rookies that I mentioned in my team are failing to fire, like Atkins, Gibbons, or Scott. Stack comes into calculations for sure. Now, Connor Rosie's 121 won't be replicated every week, but... He is still priced under four hundred grand, and he's someone you need to consider. If you don't have anything else to do this week, you might want to look at chopping Setterfield out and bringing in Rosie. Again, I've been very... uh, What's the word? I've been a non-believer of Connor Rosie because of his low junior numbers, but he's playing a great role for Port Adelaide. He's doing a little bit of everything, so I think after this big, huge performance against Brisbane, he warrants selection. When we're looking at guys to trade out this week, Uh, First things first, you have to get rid of Dustin Martin. He's suspended, not playing well. If you still have him, I've said it two or three weeks now, get rid of him. Done. End of discussion. Someone who you might not want to deal with or deal away as quickly is Tom Rockleaf. Now, reports coming out of Port Adelaide are that he will play this weekend. Ken Hinckley said in the post-game presser that he looked well and that they're just going to go through protocol, but... I think if I had to put a number on it, I'd say he's about a 75 80% chance of playing this week. And he's going up against Richmond, who have been giving up a lot of fantasy points lately. So I would hold Rockliffe if named. I can understand why you'd want to ditch him and get fancy, but uh, there's not many players that have the ceiling like Tom Rockliffe. So if he's in, I think you keep him. If he's listed out, you can still get a little bit of value. Maybe chase someone like Brad Crouch. And there's a few other players you can go up or down to in that midfield area. Nat Fife is someone who suffered another concussion on the weekend. His was a little bit more brutal than Tom Rockliffe's. And as a result... He might not get up for the Western Derby this week. If you own Fife, I'd probably look to trade. Still managed to get his score up to about an 80. I think he had 78 from memory. So for that reason, we might see Fifey come back uh, next week and you might want to just get fancy and do a bench swap. But I wouldn't advise it. If he's going to miss, which seems likely, I would ditch him. Now, I've already talked about getting rid of the likes of Seb Ross and Cade Simpson. But if you own Rory Laird, I would not be opposed to trading him out for jake lloyd or witherden that being said royal Ed could become a top three defender and could just bounce back and challenge for the top defender so i understand why people would want to hold him however If you want to play a little bit of the break-even game and get fancy, it probably doesn't cost you a hell of a lot to swap the two over at the moment. That is Laird for Lloyd or uh, Whitfield. Yep, not Witherden. Even though he scored 100, I wouldn't be dirtying him in just yet. Uh, But Laird is someone that we expected a little bit more. He's only averaging 90 for the year, so he's going to keep going down in value. So for that reason, if you do trade him out, there's no reason why you can't get him back in in about half a dozen weeks' time. It's a bit of a bold strategy, but it's one that I'm all for. I've highlighted the underperforming rookies that could be in the firing line uh, for coaches and for in their AFL teams this week. The likes of Bailey Scott, Atkins, uh, Gibbons, and Will Setterfield are probably the four that I'd put at the top of the chopping order, if that makes sense. That's not a term or a phrase or a thing, but it is now. Um, Those are the guys I would get rid of first. If I had to... The idea of getting rid of Bailey Scott does tempt me. You can probably make another extra 60-70 grand by ditching him compared to Gibbons or Atkins, but that being said, we have seen a little bit of a higher ceiling from Scott. So it's tricky, depends a little bit on your structure. If you're running with three rookies in the midfield and Scott is one of them, you don't really want to go down to someone like Sydney Stack and have to play him on your field, but Bailey Scott's one of your bench emergencies, I can understand the idea of trading him out for uh, another downgrade target. Let's talk waiver wire moves. Now, down back, there's a few guys who have piqued my interest that both scored in the 90s over the weekend. The first one is someone that I'm trying to bring into my team this week, and that is Lockie Weller. Dashing off that halfback flank, he's got defence and midfield status. He's actually playing a little bit of everywhere. He's gathering his touches all over the ground, so... From memory, had an 85 in round two against his old side in Freo, and he's someone that I like the looks of. If not, if you can't get to him in way less teams, I think in about 14% of teams, is Jaron Geary. He had another 90 on the weekend as well. Uh, and someone that, being the Saints skipper, has obviously fantastic job security, but you expect a 60 or so from him every now and then, but he should be pretty stable for a high 70s average for the majority of the season. In the middle of the ground, we saw kangaroo Trent Dumont make his return this week and had a pretty impressive game. Had 100, kicked a snag as well, so he's in about 40% of draft teams and someone that I would definitely be snapping up if you had a bit of a hole in your midfield. Failing that, someone who isn't in as high demand, but I think he'll be pretty consistent for your draft side for the most of the year and that is another son in Anthony Miles. Only managed just 70 on the weekend, but I think his scores will pretty much bounce between 75 and 100 for the entire year so it's good consistency and gives you a good emergency spot potentially if you're suffering a few injuries then he's someone that i would look at bringing in there's not a lot to report on the ruck front rowan marshall is still the pick of the bunch even though he technically doesn't have ruck status but when he gets it in a few weeks time seemingly gets it i mean i can't i'm trying to talk it into existence it seems like a certainty but I don't run the game, so who knows. But if he does get it, then he'll be a very handy pickup. And there's nothing wrong with playing him in your forward line right now. He's been killing it. He's in about two-thirds of teams, so you're going to have to act quickly to snap him up. But he balled out against Frio, albeit without a Sean Darcy and had to use Rory Lobb. And I think Tabernard was in the ruck for a while as well. But Marshall is someone definitely worth considering and worth uh, taking a punt on. Failing that, Tom Papley is another good option. He has a semi-high ownership in the 40s, but yeah, I would uh, have a hard look at him and Connor Rosie as well. Like I said, he is awkwardly priced now in classic, and you don't really want to spend up for a rookie that's gone too much up in price. But in draft where your price doesn't matter, like I said, his lowest score of the season is one point off 70. So if he can get you, I think he's averaging over 85, and I don't think he'll continue it, but there's no reason why he can't. Alrighty, time to talk my trades. Now, I've got a bit of a dilemma this week and it revolves a lot around Josh Dunkley. If I decide to remove Dunkley from my side, I can go a few different ways. I can downgrade one of my rookie bench guys to stack and I can just get to Travis Boak, which is something that I'm really keen on. But I can also do that first move and then potentially grab Connor Rosie. Now, I'm not a huge fan of that move, but if I do that, that leaves me with 400 grand in the bank. And like I've said, I've got one eye on Max Gorn soon. Devin Smith is someone I want in my team at some point this year. I've missed the boat with some of these other mid-priced midfielders, so I'm just going to have to ride it out with the guys I've got at the moment. Maybe do a bit of chopping and changing should injuries take hold. But I think the smart move for me is just to keep doing the rookie game and just hopefully upgrading rookies one at a time. It's only round three, but I'm also already looking into my buy structure. And I don't want to own too many Port Adelaide players. I've already got Dersma, I've already got Drew, I've already got someone else I'm forgetting. But if I have Boak as well, and then try to get Rosie, then things could get a little bit pear-shaped. Then I do have the idea of potentially just holding on to Dunkley, and fingers crossed he can get back to a triple-figure average. But there's not many forwards that average in the hundreds, let's be honest. I don't know exactly the number but from last year I think there was only uh, three maybe two or three um, Westhoff probably got there and I think Devin Smith was the only other one there's someone I know I'm forgetting but still if Dunkley can get his way back to the 90s then he might be the fifth best forward but it might be worth me just holding on to him and if I do do that then potentially I can get rid of two of my bench guys in Atkins and Gibbons especially if I think they're both going to be dropped. And maybe get Stack and Lockhart in and just make an extra 40 grand, giving me again around 200k. So I've got a little bit of thinking to do. It might be foolish to try and pursue this Dunkley thing. And if that's the case, then swapping to Boke is probably my most likely move. And then I'll just have to wait and see which one of these midfield rookies gets the chop. Because if one of them goes, then Sydney Stack will have to come in. And that is the round three wrap-up. Thank you for tuning in. Again, fingers crossed I can get this out Tuesday. Um, But, yeah, thank you for listening, watching. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. I will try and pump out an NBA podcast later in the week because the NBA fantasy... NBA fantasy. Jeez, I'm all over the shop. The NBA regular season is nearly done and dusted, so... I'm going to work on a few articles in the near future around what I think the lottery teams should try and do, how they should attack the off-season, and I'm going to do a little bit of a power rankings for the playoff teams before that tips off as well. But time for me to go and edit this. Thank you for tuning in once again. Good luck in round four. Until next time, peace.